Well, we are going to read Psalm 100 again. That is our text for my sermon this morning. Another short psalm. I preached on a short psalm last week, and this is another short psalm, just five verses. You'll notice that the heading there is a psalm for giving thanks, and so this psalm was used in the worship at the temple as a psalm of thanksgiving appropriate for today. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. If you're following along, you probably have a note in your Bible that refers you to another possible wording there. The ancient text has a variant. And the other way of saying it is, he has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. You ever tried to start a fire without a match? When I was a kid, I can remember, I didn't do scouting, but I did Boys Brigade, which was kind of like the Christian version of scouting. And in the book, you know, they're teaching you not only God's Word, but also life skills and those kinds of things. And I can remember reading about how to start a fire in that book, and I'm sure it's in the scout guide as well. And um, the books actually make it seem pretty easy. There are two ingredients that you need to start a fire. You need a source of heat or a spark, and you need something to ignite, like kindling or leaves or paper or something like that. But it's actually not as easy as the books make it seem, and I can testify to that because I tried a number of times when I was a kid. I can remember using a magnifying glass and trying to focus the the sunlight onto a leaf and try to get it to, to start and to catch fire, and all it would do is smolder. And I tried rubbing two sticks together, too, for a long time, and that was, like, totally worthless. I mean, I never got anywhere doing that. I never, ever actually did start a fire without a match. Has anybody done that in here? One person. Okay, Paul. I hate you, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we probably all have seen that iconic scene with Tom Hanks in Castaway doing that thing with the, I don't know, he had like the string and I don't know, but he managed to do it. But it took a long time. It was a frustrating process. Producing a thankful heart can be kind of like starting a fire without a match. Every year, Thanksgiving rolls around, a day that is set aside specifically for giving thanks. And we have that heritage as, uh, as Americans, actually, that goes way back to the very beginnings of, um, of our history. 
Um, and uh, I got an email late last night from, from Bruce Henderson about uh, this day, which was yesterday in American history, was the day that the Mayflower Compact was signed. And um, around that same time, the, 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 the first European settlers in America celebrated their first Thanksgiving in October of 1621 in order to give thanks to God for the harvest that would see them through the winter. And of course, in the midst of the Civil War, uh, in 1863, Abraham Lincoln instituted Thanksgiving as a national holiday to give thanks to God for his provision. So we celebrate Thanksgiving, but how many of you dread that moment when everyone is finally seated around the table, and it's usually in the afternoon, and so you haven't had much to eat all day, and everybody's hungry, and the food is right there in front of you, and then somebody says, okay, before we eat, we're going to go around the table and everybody say what they're thankful for. And not only are we all sitting there smelling the food and watching it get cold, But now you have to come up with something original to say. It's not easy to do. It's kind of like rubbing sticks together. But the flame of gratitude just doesn't seem to get ignited in our hearts. Do you ever have that problem? Am I the only one? Maybe I'm the only one. But this psalm assumes that a spirit of thankfulness is a fundamental part of life and worship and a fundamental part of a right relationship with God. The psalmist says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. It's really a command. Make a joyful noise, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing, with thanksgiving. In fact, if you look um, further into scripture, a lack of gratitude, scripture says, is a symptom of our fallenness and our rebellion against God. Paul says in Romans 1 that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. Because men, by their unrighteousness, suppress the truth. Because what can be known about God, even though it's plain to them, because God has shown it to them, although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. And they became futile in their thinking, in their foolish hearts, were darkened. What Paul expresses in negative terms, the psalmist expresses in positive terms. He says, Come before the Lord, come into his presence with thanksgiving, know that the Lord is God, acknowledge him as God, give thanks to him. So gratitude is an indispensable component of a right relationship to God. If you know he is God, God, if you acknowledge him as God, you will also give thanks to him as God. 
But as we have probably all realized at one time or another, gratitude isn't something that can simply be manufactured just because it's that time of year again. So how can we ignite the fire of gratitude? Not just so that we have something sincere to say on Thanksgiving Day, but so that we might live with a spirit of gratitude. I will live my thanks, the special song sang. As he calls us to give thanks to the Lord, the psalmist presents us with two truths to ignite the flames of gratitude in our hearts. Those two truths are these. First of all, our dependence And secondly, God's faithfulness. And those two truths really go hand in hand. And notice how they form the two halves of this psalm. Verses 1 through 3 are really the first half of the psalm. And they begin with the command, Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Why? Verse 3, because he has, he is God, he has made us, and we are the sheep of his pasture. He has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his. We belong to him. So that's the first half that talks about our dependence, and we'll look at that more closely in a moment. And then the second half of the psalm begins in verse 4, and again it repeats the command to give thanks to God, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Why? Because, verse 5, the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. So the psalmist declares these two great truths that ought to ignite a spirit of gratitude in our hearts. Our dependence and his faithfulness. Our dependence is rooted in the fact that it is he who made us and not we ourselves, as the alternate rendering of the psalm says, we are his. That really is the most fundamental truth about who we are as human beings. Have you ever thought about that? We are his. He made us and not we ourselves. We were not produced, Scripture insists, by the blind forces of time and chance. There is a God, and he has created us. And because we are created beings, we are completely dependent on our creator. That is the fundamental truth about ourselves. We are dependent creatures. If you're a philosopher, you would use the word contingent. We are contingent beings. We are dependent on God for our existence. A person that doesn't recognize that they're dependent on anyone has nothing to be thankful for. Gratitude, by its very nature, is a response to grace. 
we are thankful because we recognize that we have received something. Our very existence is a gift from God. So ingratitude is rooted in the assumption that we are our own. That what we are is the result of our own strength and our own wisdom and our own achievement. And we don't owe God anything. And that's what Paul is really talking about in Romans chapter 1. That is why God's wrath is revealed against the ungodly and the wicked. Not because they don't feel thankful. But because of their arrogance. Because even though they owe their very existence to God, they completely disregard Him and assume that they are their own and they owe Him nothing. The psalmist says, It is He who made us and not we ourselves. We are His creation. And as such, we belong to Him and we are completely dependent on Him. Think about how far-reaching that dependence is. It reminds me of Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, where God, uh, the, 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 the text describes God forming Adam out of the dust of the earth. And I have this picture in my mind of God actually making like a, 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 a mud figure. In fact, the word... Adam, ha-adam, means creature of the earth or the mud man. How do you like that? You're all a bunch of med, mud men. But the significant thing there is that when God forms Adam, what does he do? He breathes his life into Adam and Adam becomes a living being. The implication of that is that every second that we exist is a gift from God. Every breath that we take has been given to us by Him. It is by His permission and His care and His providence that every one of us will take our next breath. We would not exist another moment if he didn't sustain us by his providential care and his providential grace. And we're not only dependent on God for life itself, but we're also dependent on him for our every need. Verse 3 says, we are the sheep of his pasture. Sheep, as we know, are not very good at fending for themselves. They have about the worst combination of instincts that a creature can have. First, they're headstrong and they always want to go their own way. And secondly, they're not very smart. So that even, so even though they insist on going their own way, they have no idea what's best for them. And they're always getting themselves into trouble. And I've mentioned before, Sharon and I love to watch this program. I've learned recently it's more me than her that loves to watch this program. But uh, called This Farming Life of Farmers and Shepherds in, in the Highlands of Scotland. And it's amazing the trouble that their sheep get into, that they are constantly having to get them out of. 
And finally, sheep have a herd instinct. So once one heads in a direction, the others are going to follow. So one stupid, headstrong sheep is capable of leading a whole flock off a cliff like a bunch of lemmings. Sounds a lot like another creature I'm familiar with. We are the sheep of his pasture. We are dependent at every level on him to feed us, to guide us, to tend us, to prevent us from going astray and then to come after us and find us and bring us home when we do. We're also dependent on him for mercy. The psalm says, If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness. With you there is mercy. I find that every day I renew my dependence on God's mercy. Because I need it new every day. And Jeremiah says in Lamentations, Great is your faithfulness, O Lord, for your mercies are new every morning. Gratitude arises out of a recognition of our absolute and utter dependence on God. There is nothing that we have, including the very next breath that we take, that is not a gift from him. The second truth the psalmist declares to us goes hand in hand with the first. We are dependent, and God is faithful. Imagine being completely dependent on someone who is not faithful. Some of you have probably had that experience. That is a recipe not for gratitude, but for misery. And that misery is played out in our world every day. Children growing up in homes where they're abused or neglected, Animals subject to incredible cruelty of all kinds. Vulnerable people who are being exploited by human trafficking. People who are forced from their homes by oppressive governments or civil war or extreme poverty and have nowhere to go. And the list goes on and on and on. Dependence alone is nothing to be grateful for because it makes us vulnerable to abuse and neglect and exploitation. And it makes us vulnerable to the fear and uncertainty that go along with it. So dependence alone is not a reason for gratitude. It's the fact that we are completely dependent on him that makes God's goodness and his faithfulness so praiseworthy. He created us. 
He owns us. By rights, He can do with us whatever He likes. But He is a faithful God. Verse 5 says, His steadfast love endures forever. The Hebrew word there is chesed, His steadfast covenant love. He has bound himself to us. He has committed himself to us. Uh, I've often used that expression from Genesis chapter 2, again, from the, the first wedding ceremony at the, Genesis, at the end of Genesis 2, where the text says, the man, for this reason, will leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. That's what God does to us. He holds fast to us in covenant love, in covenant faithfulness. And he will be faithful to his covenant commitment forever. His steadfast love endures forever. When Lyle was younger and I would have to discipline him, I often would say to him, look, son, There's nothing that you can do to make me love you less. And there is nothing that you need to do to convince me to love you more. My love is already and will always be full and complete for you. And that is God's love, his hesed, his covenant faithfulness. His love is complete and unwavering and eternal. He is a faithful God. And just as dependence without faithfulness produces misery and fear, dependence with faithfulness produces a profound sense of trust and peace and intimacy. Because the Lord is my shepherd, David says in Psalm 23, I lack no good thing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside waters of rest or still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me, and you prepare for me a table in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all of the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a beautiful picture of intimacy and trust. Can you hear the profound gratitude in David's voice? His dependence, God's faithfulness. We are the sheep of his pasture and he is our good shepherd.
not only does God care for us as David described, but as Jesus would later say of himself, the good shepherd lays down his own life for his sheep. Our shepherd has surrendered himself on the cross for us. And he has taken our sin and our infirmity and our brokenness on himself. And to everyone who trusts him as their shepherd, he gives his righteousness and his strength and his healing. I I am a sheep of his pasture, and he has laid down his life for me. What a wonder! What a gift! What a shepherd! The Lord is my shepherd. I don't need anything because he has already given me himself and he faithfully provides for my every need. I think we know all of that to be true. So why aren't we more thankful? Kind of back to the beginning question. We know it to be true. Why is it so hard for us to think of something to say when it comes to our turn to share what we're thankful for when we sit around the table and the food is getting cold? And even in church, when it's time to give praise, often there's just this silence. Why is it so hard? I think it comes back to dependence. Dependence is not something we just need to know to be true in order to truly ignite the flames of gratitude in our hearts. Dependence is something that we need to experience. We can't just know it up here. We need to experience it in our lives. It's one thing to listen to a sermon about God's faithful care for us. It's another thing to put that faithfulness to the test by living lives of dependence. But I find for myself that I am too often busy depending on myself Worrying about this problem or that need or working myself to the bone because it just has to be done. And even though I know that God is faithful, I rob myself of the experience of his faithfulness in my life because I've not surrendered myself into his faithful care. I have not let myself be dependent. And as a result, too often, instead of overflowing with the kind of gratitude that David expresses in Psalm 23, I am instead preoccupied with the worries and the cares of this world. Again, am I the only one that has this problem? I am. Doug's telling me I'm the only one. Okay. That's why I think God created circumstances in the Old Testament where Israel would have to depend on him. 
he actually gave Moses laws to give to the people that required them to depend on him. He told them, every seventh year, you are not to plant and harvest your fields. Instead, you are to depend on me to give you what you need, to give you enough to sustain you. And in doing that, if they would be faithful, surrendering themselves into his care and trusting him with that, he would teach them that it's not their hard work that feeds them, it's him that feeds them. Similarly, he commanded them, you're not allowed to have chariots. I don't want you to have the same kinds of weapons as the nations around you have. Because when you go out to battle with a clear disadvantage, I want you to understand that it's not your power or your weapons or your ability that is fighting for you, but I'm the one that's fighting for you. And when your back is up against the wall, and when it seems like everything is falling down, and you cry out to me, and you trust me, because there's nowhere else to go, because too often that's what happens, right? We don't cry out to him, we don't trust him until there's nowhere else to go. But he's okay with that, because when we finally do, he shows himself to be faithful. We discover dependence, we learn that he is faithful and the fire of gratitude is ignited in our hearts. I love that story. I think it's from Second Chronicles 20. I don't 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 go there and tell me, yeah, you're wrong. Well, you can tell me I'm wrong because I need to be reminded of where it is, where 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 Israel is is got their backs up against the wall, and and King Jehoshaphat cries out to the Lord and says, Lord, we we don't know what to do. We've come to the end of ourselves, but our eyes are on you. We are completely dependent on you. And God produces this amazing victory. And the result of it is what? Okay, let's go back to work. No. The result is, God, you're faithful. God, you are good. Praise the Lord with singings. Bang your drum. Play your flute. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Because we depend on him. And he is our faithful God. 2020 has been a rough year, hasn't it? I suppose that most of us will be happy to see the back of it. But it doesn't seem like 2021 is going to start off any better than 2020 is ending. And on the surface of things, as we gather around the table on Thanksgiving Day, it might not seem that there's much to be thankful for. But on the contrary, I would suggest it's a tremendous opportunity. It's an opportunity to learn dependence and to discover and experience His faithfulness. So many things that we assume that we could depend on have been taken away. And I believe that God wants us to discover our weakness so that in our weakness we can see just how strong He is. 
He wants us to experience the undependability of this world and learn to depend on him so that we can find him to be faithful. So make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Come into his presence with thanksgiving. For it is he who has made us And we are his. We are the sheep of his pasture. And he is a good shepherd. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. Let's pray together. Father, we confess that too often we are so busy trying to solve our own problems, trying to control our circumstances, worrying and fretting about the things of this world, that we forget how completely and utterly dependent on you that we are. And Lord, we thank you so much that Just as we are dependent, you are dependable. Every promise that you have ever made, you have kept. I'm reminded of when the people of Israel wondered where you had gone when Moses was up on the mountain for so long. They assumed that you had gotten distracted and been busy decided to go off somewhere else. Lord, thank you that you are not like that. You are always here. Always near. Always faithful. Teach us, Lord, to surrender ourselves into your care. To learn to live dependent so that we can experience firsthand your faithfulness and the fires of gratitude can replace the anxieties and the cares that we so often needlessly live with. By your Spirit, help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.